new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Another beautiful day to podcast and we love doing it. We love having you guys tune in and listen to us as well. And again, thank you. I really appreciate all of you who tune in and listen to any part part or all of the podcast. And, and again, we hope it gives you some sort of reprieve or relief or happiness uh, throughout your day and gets you going somehow. On today's podcast, we have with us Jason Wendroff Ronicki, and he is a certified yoga instructor and essential oil specialist who has an MA in psychology. So he co-founded Shine Yoga Center in New Jersey and travels nationally and internationally leading classes, workshops, retreats, and educating about the benefits and powers of essential oils. In June of 1998, his sister Lauren died in a car accident. Knowing that he needed more than talk therapy to deal with his grief, Jason turned towards a body-centered approach. Yoga, meditation, mindfulness, healthy lifestyle, and essential oils became that path towards recovery. Jason, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. I always love uh, when people come on and they have a degree in psychology. <laughs> it warms my heart. I still am really new to the sense of essential oils. I know that uh, you teach and do workshops on this subject. And so can you talk a little bit about the benefits or just of essential oils and smell in, in general? When you smell something, you're, you're smelling particles of that thing. So if we're breathing in and we're smelling gas, right, they put the smell in gas so that we know that there's something going on and that we need to address something. But what's happening is that particles, the, the aroma gets into our nostrils and into our olfactory bulbs. The olfactory bulb is connected right into the limbic part of our brain, which really controls our emotions. So when we're breathing in all of these beautiful essential oils like, you know, lavender and lemon and peppermint or, you know, those kinds of things, our, our sense of smell gets activated. It then activates the part of our brain that controls the emotions and we can technically even re reprogram the brain so that we can feel a little happier, a little bit more uplifted, a little more grounded if we need to. So you can actually take an essential oil and adjust it so that it allows the counteract whatever you're experiencing. Wow, yeah, that's fascinating stuff right there. And it's it really talks also about, like what what, what I was thinking about is that sometimes we are numb to our senses and I could see that being very helpful to kind of reawakening your senses, being more perceptive about what's around you. And I think even for me, like sometimes it's less about the awareness of the smell using other senses, but obviously <laughs> except for smell and it takes you to a different place. Like Sometimes, you know, a certain smell brings you back to your childhood and like your family cooking and you're like, oh, you know, I remember that spaghetti that my parents used to make. Or maybe, you know, you're going for a walk and then you catch a whiff of a rose or a certain flower that spoke to you years ago and you, you get that same feeling back, which is very interesting. And even memory kind of connects to that, right? Absolutely. And that's the limbic brain I was telling you. That's like all of those like recollections and all those emotions that come up. Oh, the feeling of grandma, you know, making those cookies or whatever. And that, you know, 
you know, people employ those in their, in marketing techniques all the time. Like that's why real estate agents burn like cookie candles right. when they show their part, like, cause they, they, they're looking to evoke that sense of, you know, of holiness, of care, of love. So that when you come into that hu- at house, it makes you feel like you are your whole. Yeah, and it also goes the other way as well. Yeah, I was just so. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna mention that. I'm I'm thinking about the other way. Like, what are some smells that maybe take you to a bad place? <laughs> right. So I and I think that goes to some of the toxic cleaners and stuff that many of us use in our homes. You know, like we we associate sometimes we associate aroma with with cleanliness, but that's not like always the case, right? So there's a lot of smells. There's a lot of synthetic smells out on the market. Uh, you've got to be, especially when it comes to essential oils, you have to be super careful if you're using them therapeutically. Well, even if you're not using them therapeutically, but you have to be very careful at the quality that of oils that you're buying because so many people just want to sell you essential oils and they're not really good quality. Yeah, it's really interesting. I never thought about the quality and how important that is it's just like how they make the actual extract well you're right so so any essential oil company should really have a lot of scientific testing behind them they should be doing you know they should be doing quality control reports uh there's a whole like system in place that set up for that and it's, it's all about quality control like they the essential oil company should have a lot of scientists that are analyzing each batch of oil um, for many companies like the company i work with they make those those quality control reports available for everybody so that this way you know i'm not uh, i don't understand the organic chemistry but i i need to make sure that someone who does can quickly look up the information it'd be nice to actually talk about certain maybe oils that may help during the pandemic. Because I think this is like such a stressful time for a lot of people. And I, I never really look at oils in, in this way. So if you want to talk about maybe things you've learned along the way or even that you use to, for yourself during the pandemic. Yes. And so just so you know, I'm a yoga instructor. I am not a doctor. So I have to kind of put that out there. When we talk about essential oils, especially around this time, it's really about improving uh, immunity and improving your immune system. So there, so there are lots of essential oils. The, the doTERRA, the company that I work with, has an oil blend called OnGuard, which is a great, which is a great oil to support the immune system. Uh, it has like orange oil. It has, it has clove, which is a great antiseptic. It has cinnamon in there. And so it's a whole oil blend that's specifically designed for immune support. In addition to essential oils, you know, sleeping well is important when it comes to immunity and making sure you're eating well and exercising. So for me, it's, it's, the oils are important, but it's really about the whole lifestyle that really becomes critical when it comes to your immunity. Because if you're eating well but not sleeping well, you're still compromising your immune system. I've never been one to, you know, like really have those, like a lot of people have candles, right? And I think maybe lavenders, I think one I've seen a lot of in relaxation. Is that right? Yes. Lavender is a great, lavender is a great oil to, to calm the central nervous system. It also has many other functions, 
But when you're burning them in candles, first of all, many candles have some form of petrochemicals in there or some sort of, most of the, even the lavender within those candles are synthetically created. So there's really no, any, any therapeutic effect you think you're getting from the candles is probably psychological more than anything because there's no active chemical constituent in the lavender that are in most of those candles to really do anything. It's just your reaction to smelling the lavender. I've moved from candles to diffusing because that's an effective way of getting the chemistry of the lavender oil into the atmosphere so that it actually has a therapeutic effect on a physical level, not just a psychological level. Yeah, that's a great point to to really talk about because, you know, not, I guess, you know, not all smells are equal. So you're going to go to like, you know, Walmart and pick up, you know, a lavender air freshener. That's not necessarily going to give you the same. It'll give you, obviously, like you said, a psychological benefit in that mm, I recognize this smell makes me feel good and then, you know, can change your mood and, and, and whatnot. But it, it doesn't uh, give you, I guess, the full complexity of what, uh, an essential lavender oil can provide. Right. And right. I think a lot of people, they, they go to those kinds of places and they buy, you know, they, they can get it for an inexpensively or a little, a little bit cheaper. Sometimes it's not even that much cheaper and then they'll try it and it won't work. And then they say essential oils don't work, but it would, you know, it, it, it would be like going to McDonald's and buying, a, you know, a hamburger and then wondering why you're not losing weight or something like that. You know, it's like, you know, you you have to really look at it a little bit more closely. <laughs> look at the details. Yeah, smell is just like, it's so interesting because I never, I haven't really looked at the power of smell in someone's life. But you have. This is why I'm thinking this conversation going on for a while because I have so many questions, many different things. And when I lead... When I think about it now, and I look at dreams, since my whole career has been based on it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some people have stated that when they had these grief dreams, smell was an important part of that, in the sense of smelling the deceased. I think that's really interesting for me, in the sense of that, because I've never had that in none of my dreams, like smelling my father, like knowing he's there, but other people have, and that's what gave them um, the comfort was the smell. And I think that's fascinating. Have you heard of that in dreams or do you have that in your own dreams? Well, I, I don't have that in my own dreams specifically, but I do have an instance where, and it's not related to my sister, but my wife and I were going into a shopping mall to get out of, I forgot what we were going to go buy, but we went into uh, the mall. And as soon as we walked in, we smelt this overwhelming, like it, it, it was unmistakable, this smell of perfume. Now we hadn't got, like I, we were looking around, maybe we thought somebody walked by us. There was nobody there. We weren't by like the, the cosmetic counter at all. We were in like the, the clothing section, the men's clothing section, but this was an obvious smell of woman's perfume like i checked with my wife that she smelt it she checked with me to make sure i smelt it and it and she and she started to get really 
a little emotional because it smelled just like the perfume that her grandmother who had passed uh, wore. So I, I think smell can be a very, very important part of the grieving process for sure. I know too, even like after pet loss, people have said they, they smell the pet around or something. And it's just like, it's, it's amazing. Like what connects us to our grief and what can help with their healing. And you said like, Sometimes it's visual, sometimes it's sound in the sense of like the music that connects us. Sometimes it's smell. And it's just it's one of those things I haven't really looked at. And I think it's just amazing that, you know, we can talk about it because it is, it's not something you see a lot in dreams, which I think, but it's still there in some. And so I was just like, oh, I wonder why it's not in more, right? Like the more we talk about it, like, why isn't that, why is it more like sight? I, I think it's because so many of us, like we all have our own sort of, sense like sense that we are maybe a little stronger at right you know like so i do some energy i do energy healing as well and i do it very kinesthetically so i i feel it in my body and i feel it in my clients bodies right so and and it's also it's some people do it visually where they can see auras and they can see light and they can see colors some people hear things like you. And then I would imagine some people also smell. I haven't heard as much taste, but, uh, but I would imagine smell and maybe taste. I mean, definitely something to look into. But I, um, I've been reading a book about hugue, which is like a Danish word for essentially creating comfort in your home. And it just talks about how it's important sometimes to create this environment that you feel good in, like you're comfortable in. And Josh can attest for this. Like my room is kind of blank. And I, I looked around and I'm like, man, I haven't really created a comfortable place. And and Joshua can tell you about his room. It, it seems like it's very designed for him. And so I'm starting to understand that a little bit more about myself. Like I already have an appreciation for candles because they do that for me. It's not just about, oh, they, they smell good, they make the room smell good. It's also about providing comfort in the form of the light that it emits um, and, and obviously the smells that come out of it. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, of now more about what you said about essential oils and maybe in a diffuser that I can kind of place in different places, whether in the bathroom or in, in my room, to kind of create that environment that's comforting and and healing and, and welcoming that I can sleep in at night. And who knows, maybe it can stimulate some memories or dreams that I can possibly get. But yeah, that just made me think about that. Like, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of it. It can be a, about that or even in a car, maybe there's some sort of smell I can put in there while I'm driving and make me feel better or something. Yeah. I have, I have about uh, four or five diffusers in my house that we have kind of running fairly regularly. I have one for my car, one travel one that we take on trips with us. In yoga, it, uh, yoga and Ayurveda, which were, they're like kind of sister sciences. There's something called geomancy, which is the way you structure your environment for energy flow. And in the Chinese tradition, it's the feng shui, uh, where you like the way you position your furniture and, and, and really creating a space that you absolutely love to be in. And I, I think it's more important, just as important with your space as with everything else. Like Marie Kondo's magical tidying is all about 
everything surrounding you should be something that brings you joy. Like your clothes, your books, your everything that you come in contact with should, should invoke joy. So, you know, that's kind of the same thing about creating a home space where that just brings you happiness. And sometimes, especially during like the grieving process early on, it's hard to find that joy, but you know, these little things about just arranging your space and arranging your closet even, or your desk, so that this way when you come in to do your podcast, everything is in its place and it, and it inspires you, you know? Yeah, I remember I had a couple people on the podcast that uh, talked about when their loved one died, they didn't wash the clothes, you know, like, so they wanted to keep their smell and that gave them great comfort to be able to smell them. I think, you know, like, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to get an essential oil for yourself? Like, you know, like of the deceased, like that smell was like, (laughs) I think that'd be cool. And I don't think we can get there. Um, Not yet anyways, but like that is the power of the smell is like that. They didn't want to lose that. Like that was part of how they remembered. Like a a photograph, you know, it's it's essentially kind of in the same sense, right? It's an, it's really an, it's the way that person imprinted on you, you know, like, so when you, when you, when you smell them, like, or you, when, when a, a smell reminds you of them, it, it imprints you, it imprints on your brain, it imprints in your heart, it imprints in your body for all the love and, 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 and the emotion that you have behind it. So it's absolutely, uh, and you could actually start to do that for yourself, like create your own specific oil blend that people will associate with you. So we can do that in the living as we're living, you know, so that when, when people smell that combination, that's specifically you, right. You're already in, you know, introducing an imprint on them. Mm. Oh, I see. That's interesting. What would your essential oil blend be? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. What says Jason? Freshly (laughs) cut (laughs) grass. That's what I want to smell on Jason. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, There would definitely be some frankincense in there because I'm a big, big fan of frankincense just because I think it's a very, a very grounded, grounding oil. It would probably be like frankincense, Cedarwood and Douglas fir. That would be my okay. Big, so the yeah. pine, you get a little bit of <laughs> little, pine. little pot, little pine, little in there. woody well, pine, because, lumberjack vibe. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Well, because I I know a lot of blends include a lot of floral things, which is generally good. You know, like it has a little bit more of a feminine kind of smell, and you know, so I I like the 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 resiny woodsy kind of aromas that you know. And that would probably be mine. Yeah, you know, we, we're talking a lot about that, but uh, it just like for me, actually, now that I think about it, I'm a big fan of that. Like Lush uh, is a story. I don't know if you have Lush in the United States, yeah. but oh, you do. Yeah. So yeah, yep. um, I gravitated towards that store a lot, and there was some scents that I never thought I would enjoy, but like Jasmine was one of them. And oh, uh, Jasmine's great. Yeah, in in a in a you know, I, and again, I, I'm I, I'm aware of not to overwhelm people, so I don't put a lot. I just put kind of a dab on each wrist. But I, for me, that was that brought a lot of joy in my life and comfort. And uh, so I, I'm definitely a big fan of Lush and their creams and and whatever they have going on. Gotcha. 
Yeah, the, the beard, one beard oil. oils. I have uh, I've invested in some beard bombs and beard oils that provide the same kind of comfort. A lot of those are kind of tailored towards men, and and they kind of put stereotypical kind of like you know, whatever woodsman or cedar and stuff like that, which which is fine. I mean, nothing wrong with that. But I would like them to kind of branch out and kind of you know. And this is my own little PSA to all the men out there. I mean, I feel like men need to get a little more adventurous and try out some different smells. You know, I think we get we get kind of, you know, locked into our stereotypes over here and everybody just buys the same old kind of, you know, Swiss Army, Calvin Klein obsession or whatever's yeah. going on that the grandmother gave him on Christmas. But like, you know, go out there, be proactive and, you know, try yeah. some new scents out and, and see what changes it can make in your life. A lot of times with like even the, in the essential oils world, what'll happen is that it's a lot of times it's sold by women or women are selling them and they don't understand how to, how to teach men. Like they don't understand that we are fairly literal, that if it says it on the bottle to use it twice a day, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to take a shampoo or a conditioner and use it as a moisturizer. It has to say moisturizer on it and then we'll use it that way. But sometimes it can get a little complicated. And uh, so for those of so for those of the people out there, just keep it simple for us guys. Like don't complicate things. <laughs> well, I think they've just given up in general. <laughs> How do you tell someone? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, you know, it takes, it takes, you know, again, research and doing your own. Uh, it takes adventurism, right? It takes a little bit yeah. of uh, desire to be creative and step outside of your own comfort. And I, I understand that. I get it. Like, you know, you've been using yep. something that's been effective your whole life. You know, why, why change? Also, it's like maybe you don't care what other people think or smell uh, when it comes down to that. But and if that's the case, then fine, then just do it for you. See, see what changes it can do for you personally. Well, and I think in all of our healing, I mean, that's just a good that's just good advice in our healing journeys, because like in the beginning of our grief, like we respond to things in a certain way. And sometimes we never let go of those patterns. We just keep doing those same patterns over and over and over again, because maybe they worked when we were first, you know, when we were first grieving, but a year later, two years later, are those behaviors, are those patterns still helping us or are they hurting us, right? So I think it's great advice for, you know, moving through our, our, our grief. Yeah, it's just like trying new things. And and I remember like I learned how to cook this year, I guess, we put it, <laughs> this year, last year. And you realize just like just taste, right? Like, and I realized, oh, wow, I can, I'm starting to enjoy cooking and starting to enjoy eating my own food. And like, wow. So it's just like if you spend the time, you can have these new moments that you appreciate. And I think the same thing would be with smell is but just trying different smells to be able to see which one you gravitate towards. And then you can sort of play with that a little bit. So just like it's just another world we're not really taught, I think. And it's just something that could be very important in your life and something that you hold special to you as you move forward. But you got to try it. And I think that's the, uh, the important thing. Also, I should mention, <laughs> I know we're going to go off this topic, but I want to also uh, state, too, that, you know, as uh, smells can help us in different ways and feel comfort, they can uh, invoke trauma memories. And it's really to be aware, too, of the sense you do have on, how they may invoke sort of that trauma response in people if that scent was around when the trauma occurred. And so it's just being aware how smell can be very positive, but can also 
be very negative for people and to really be aware of that as you, if you have your own clinic or your own practice to understand and really ask those questions to people as they come into your office or they come into your surroundings to see if there is something that is triggering for them. Yes, that, that's a great point, you know, because uh, it can go either way. All right. So I think it's a good time to talk about your loss and the death of your sister, right? And I think that is this, I remember we were just talking before, and that sort of came before you really ventured off in this whole body-centered approach to life. And so could you talk about maybe your relationship with your sister and then her passing? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my sister died in 1998 and she was 24 years old. We had an on and off again relationship. Like sometimes we were really close and sometimes we were at each other's throat, kind of like a traditional brother and a stereotypical brother sister relationship. Uh, she lived about two hours from me. Uh, I remember that when I was supposed to go see her, my wife and I were going to be traveling from our house in New Jersey down to Cape May, which was about a three hour drive. And we were passing, going to pass by her. And I remember the, calling her up and trying to figure out an arrangement to come go and meet her on our way down to Cape May. And uh, she was really dismissive of me. She's like, it's not a good time. I'm not, you, you can't come over. And she's pretty much shut me down. It turns out that while my wife were in Cape May, she got into a fatal car accident and, and she passed. So we had a, a, just a tumultuous relationship throughout our upbringing and throughout our life. People thought we were twins because even though we were two years apart, we looked very similar. Actually, a few days ago, someone saw a picture of my sister and said, oh, I didn't realize that you guys were twins. We weren't. She was two years younger. Um, so when she passed, uh, she was 24, I was 26. And, and that was in 1998. So that's, we just, uh, June 29th was 22 years since she's been gone. Uh, and it, to be honest, it, I'm having a little bit of a, a struggle around in the next two years, she's going to be gone just as long as she's been alive. And so that's been something that, is really I've been processing myself because her her life will and death time will be equal. And so when you found out about her death, how did that affect you? And how was it you're able to process life? Because I know you're saying the talk therapy didn't didn't work as as well. And so I'm guessing you went to the talk therapy and just it wasn't effective. Well, I had also studied. I was going for my clinical PhD. I was considered going for my cl clinical PhD. So I had, you know, I had all of this theory behind me and just for some reason talking about it just wasn't enough. I needed to find something different. I also at that point was trying to find different support groups and there really weren't very many support groups for people who have lost a sibling. My parents found the compassionate friends and that really helped them. But there was, right now, they, the Compassionate Friends has the sibling component to it, which I'm now involved with. But back then, it was just starting out. And I felt that I didn't feel comfortable in that group because nobody had been dealing with their grief for a very long time. So I needed to find a new, a different way of processing. And I had been practicing yoga a couple of years, maybe about 
four years or five years before she passed. And it, for me at that point, before Lauren passed, it was yoga for me was just a physical practice. It was a different way of keeping my body healthy. It was like instead of aerobics. So it was just a physical practice at that point. But once she passed, a lot of the things that I was learning in yoga were making a lot more sense. And like that divine connection, the universal connection, that connection between what we think, what we feel and what we do in our physical body. So I, it was start like because she passed, I was starting to make those pretty drastic connections, pretty, uh, pretty profound realizations that if I was going to find my way out of where I was, I needed to not just use my mind and my heart, but also my body as well. And so then I, it really inspired me to go and learn more about that. And that's, so I went from psychology into yoga and that's what kind of brought the connection there. And so what did you see when it came to your grief in the sense of, did it invoke, were you basically did it invoke emotions that you're able to process a little more easily? I'm just curious about sort of what went through the those years in the sense of how you're processing when it came okay. to the, everything in the yoga philosophy it, emotions are just energy in motion and if we hold on to those emotions we never fully get a chance to uh, to express them or to what, what we call ride the wave so everything is in wavelengths and if you if you cut off an emotion or you cut off that trauma and don't fully experiencing it, then you're going to keep reliving it over and over again because it just doesn't get a chance to crest and fall. So with that understanding, it allowed me to go deeper into the grief as a way of allowing it to move through me rather than get stuck in me. I like that. That was well said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like as I, because you with the water approach, like building a dam, you know, like the water can't go through. And so it's getting yeah. stuck over and over again. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Well, and, and I think we get we get scared of that grief because it can take us into a dark place. And I don't mind going into those dark places. I think we actually need to go into those dark places once in a while because if there's no darkness, there's no light. And so if you can't experience that the fullness of our darkness, then you can experience the fullness of your light. So you need to, both, and that's yoga means union or, or, or the bringing together of opposites, the joining of opposites. And so if you, if you can go down into that dark place, you'll see the light. It may take a little bit of time. It's not, it doesn't happen, you know, right away. But if you make that commitment for yourself and to yourself, you'll, 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 go, you'll get through. I think it'd be really good to say even though you're in a room of darkness, you can still smell the light. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like, uh, that's, a that's a great tagline for your new scent. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, you know, listen, it, it, it took a lot of courage. It took a lot of courage on your part because you're going through a lot of pain. And, and, you know, there are people, some people, they really avoid that pain. Um, I don't think you can avoid it forever, but, I think people, they, they're really scared to go there and even into their elderly people. I mean, you know, they just don't want to go there because it's overwhelming. So it takes courage for anybody who decides to go there and, you know, through that, even 
through the yoga practice that you've done or, or any type of thinking and, and meditating on those topics it takes courage to want to, to to go to those dark dark places and happy to hear that you decided to do that i i, I like i another word i use is soul work it's it's you know that you decided to take that on and not wait till you're on your deathbed and, and you know that's it's, it's a very sad situation in a lot of those uh, a lot of people's lives one of the things that actually got me to want to speak out more about this and my experience is that i also see a lot of people dealing with their grief through a bottle through drugs through alcohol and and they numb themselves to the pain now i i am i just want to be clear that i alcohol has a has a certain function but if that's what you are are solely using to numb yourself all the time that's problematic and i have actually seen it a lot with even some of the siblings i've been kind of working with and dealing with is that they you know they quickly go to to drugs and alcohol to numb that pain um and and i think that it can keep you stuck yeah and i oh well, I mean, yeah and i think that just speaks on the difficulty it is you know and how much pain that person is feeling that they they seek relief in in multitudes of different ways and there's no judgments here you know we're not labeling one thing good or bad or anything like that and it, it's probably related a lot obviously that um dr uh gabor mate talks a lot about that in terms of you know trauma and addictions and and all that and i feel it's also like it's a choice that we have to make and we're all one we all could be one decision away from that so i it's not i even have to look at that within myself you know like you know how, how am i using substances you know within my own life yeah yeah absolutely i mean for me i mean i just think of food being a very comforting uh thing sugar <laughs> yeah, yeah sugar caffeine <laughs> when i'm yeah. having a bad day um yep. i immediately want to go out and buy some cake or chocolate or or something yep. like that but it can have some detrimental effects to my life and and that i think is is important to understand your own personal use and that's just awareness and your yeah. yoga practice tunes into that a lot more right because you're feeling your body you're feeling things going on and yep um yes yeah, so can you can you speak a little bit more about that actually is the the body work and trauma yeah so a lot of times the 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 uh the trauma will get locked in the cells of the body uh and in, there's a sanskrit word that they use for it called samskara i don't want to use text but it's like like uh like a little energy i i want to call it like a knot so like when we experience something and we don't fully get to um, and we don't go into the experience fully and we block ourselves from it, it, it creates these little like knots in our in our cells kind of and uh, and they're energy knots. They're not like physical knots or they could be physical knots with tight muscles and, you know, problematic lower back. So and I and so we have to really go through that experience and then allow that experience to move through us to loosen up those knots. It was very interesting. Um, just in the middle of the last week, I was having back issues in an area that I didn't like, I'd never really, usually if I have issues, I kind of know when it came and why, but this, it, it just kind of came out of nowhere and it was spasming. And I took a, a day off work, and 
it just coincided or seemed to coincide with also me feeling down and feeling a lot of negative emotions. And then I, I, I realized the day off wasn't just about my back. It was actually about just taking a mental health day off as well. And, and it helped me as I was recovering at home, um, you know, the back pain went away, but so did also because I was kind of also thinking about some things and kind of dealing with some emotions that also went away. And now in the last couple of days, I've been feeling amazing, but it's very interesting how it all kind of started actually with the back pain. I could also say that, you know, the emotions were building up, but I mean, that back pain was kind of like, okay, hey, listen, buddy, you know, you need to deal with this. Yeah, I think we need to look at our physical bodies way more symbolically than we do. So in that way where you're like lower back is hurting, right? You have to look at it in a in a more global way or a more universal way and say, okay, what's going on with myself? What does that what is my lower back literally trying to tell me? You know, is it that I'm having a di- difficult time at work or maybe I'm stressed about something or maybe I'm feeling a certain way about a certain topic. Um, so I think we all need to look at our bodies and really take a moment and see what those body, the, the body parts are telling us about what we need to work on. And I think you, if you look at it more, a little bit more universally, you can really move yourself in a good forward direction. If you ignore it or try to, you know, medicate it away, it doesn't really give you the opportunity to, to, to go in there and, and, and find out what's really going on. Yeah, I think it's a good uh, segue to dreams because that is another way to understand what's going on before maybe the physical manifestation of that pain happens to you. And so I'm curious along the way, actually, I'm just curious, do you value dreams in your practice? Is that something that you think about at all or is it, or is it not something you focus on? Uh, it's not something I'm specifically focused on, but I value it because there's a lot of information there, right? Like, cause, um, it's this idea of bringing the, the unconscious to the conscious. That's when we can really make really good changes in our lives. When things that have been underlying everything, like, and that's where the psychology is, you know, comes in handy is because it can bring those, those unconscious processes to the surface. So then we can really look at them in a conscious way and then we can make real change in that behavior. And I think dreams really do that as well. They take our, things that are unconscious and bring it to the conscious level so that we can communicate it and then we can learn to deal with it. Have you had any, I think it's, I think it's great that you know all that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm curious, so when it comes to the grief dreams, because that's what we see a lot too, right? Is that there's a lot of information that you can utilize to understand where you are, things to focus on and to help you move through your grief and maybe a more effective way or that maybe you're not through some of these dreams and also the healing and benefits from these dreams. I'm curious, have you ever had a dream of your sister after she died? Yes. I had, I, I would have to categorize it into two different kinds of dreams. One of them being the more traditional, yes, I've dreamed of my sister and us hanging out and uh, she was a dart player. So us playing darts, like, so that very traditional, yes, I definitely have had, it hasn't that, been in a while, but I definitely had those very traditional kinds of dreams. 
That is not a traditional dream. We have never had a dart player <laughs> dream. So please share more about your sister playing darts. Oh, she was a vicious dart player. Uh, she was part of a whole league. She, I went over there one time and I remember like we played darts together and I know she let me win because there's no, like I don't play darts and she just, she just let me win. So she was a very avid competitive dart player. And so, you know, I've had a dream where we were, we would play darts together, but it was a very, that one felt like there was a narrative to it. There, there was uh, me in the experience of the bar, of the dartboard, of me throwing the thing, uh, throwing the darts, you know, so, so there was a, it was a very logical dream, but then there was one time and only happened once that and I call it my, the, she visited me. Like, so, so it, what, I don't remember like a timeline or a story about the dream, but I just felt her, like her presence in my room as I was sleeping. And um, it was just this overwhelming feeling that she is okay like that everything is good she's in the place that she needs to be and she kind of wanted me to know that and to communicate that with my parents and so were but you it, sleeping at, were you sleeping at the uh, time or is that something uh, you, when you I, woke I, up? yeah i was i was it, it, i must have been in that like area between like sleep and not sleep but it, it was, and it was something I really wanted to hold on to. Like it was, I, I remember thinking like, can't you just stay for a little bit longer? And she's like, no, I just came here to let you know that I'm all, and it, it was for a brief second, but there's something, it was just different. Like it was just different. And the, you know, it was more of a feeling and like, an overwhelming feeling at that you hear that yeah that does seem to be common in the sense of um, you didn't have that imagery to really go along with it but you had that sense and some people have both combined right and i think that's fascinating that you could you could see the difference but also the impact it had on you to then yes. i'm guessing you you told your your folks after yes absolutely i you know it was they they they're doing their own thing to process their grief uh, and I, there's a lot of things that are, are shared with them that they don't quite either believe or can't really grasp on a, on a deeper level. Um, you know, but yes, I did share it with them, whether they heard it or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's so interesting. And so you're, you're working now, uh, as a, was it, as a volunteer with, uh, compassionate friends. Yes. And so what got you into that? So. My parents have been involved with it. They're actually chapter leaders in the Staten Island, um, the Staten Island chapter. They've been going there for the 22 years since my sister passed, and it's been really helpful for them. Uh, I didn't find it in the beginning. I didn't find it as helpful because the sibling group was just starting out. They didn't really have the support that I was looking for. And so I had to find my own way. So I did, that's what brought me to the yoga and, um, and the body centered approach. And then last year they had a conference and uh, I was talking 
to some of the siblings at the conference, and it turns out that they only see each other once a year. So not every chapter has a sibling component to it. So I was like, why do you only see each other once a year? They're like, because we don't have the access to see each other more often. So I figured with the technology that there is, I just decided to throw a, uh, a Zoom together with all the siblings because there's really not a whole lot of sibling support across the country. So I decided to start a Zoom one afternoon and I got a bunch of people on there and they're like, hey, let's do this every week. So now every week, and now I'm actually in the process of creating a whole weekly schedule of of meetings for for sibling for sibling loss. We just had Dr. T.J. Ray on the podcast, who wrote the uh, "Surviving the Death of a Sibling," and I think it's amazing how you guys are doing this work in helping those who didn't have individual to connect everyone. It's like everyone's waiting for someone to do it, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's nice how you found the need and you bridged it. And that's what you're doing now. So I think that's amazing. And because of the, you know, the, the lack of sibling support, like I, in the beginning, I wanted to, I didn't want to be known as like the grief yoga instructor. Like I didn't want it to be, I didn't want to be pigeonholed because I know, and I see with other siblings that they, they just get pigeonholed with that grief and they get locked into this one thing and I wanted to make sure that I, I didn't, but, you know, like then it got to the point where I'm like, I have to talk, I have to speak out about this and I have to share my story and I have to share where I come from because, you know, for some people like myself, the talking is great and it's valuable, but sometimes we need more. Sometimes we need to start to infuse simple daily activities that, that keep our mind moving towards the positive. And if we have to go down that road of darkness, we can go there and then come back into the light. So, you know, like it's, it's those simple daily activities, like I was just talking about, like diffusing essential oils, like creating a space at your, in your home, like eating well, sleeping well, all of those components are really important when it comes to, to us dealing with our grief. And I'm curious, have you, has anyone brought up dreams yet in any of your conversations? We talk about in our, in our sibling group, we, uh, yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. We talk about that every now and again when, when it comes up. Has anyone else said that they're playing darts with their sibling? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. See, <laughs> I'm something. telling you, it's unique. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I actually have her dart, uh, her old dart set. So I, I, we, and uh, after she passed, uh, I had some friends that we, they, we would go out and play darts and I'd bring them along with me. I haven't done that in a while, but once, once this situation, once things are back open and things are a little bit more uh, social, I, I'll definitely have to go back and do that. That's so cool. And I love too, like just like one dream, like we could talk about darts and your sister, like that relationship, which, you know, like it wouldn't have gone there unless you told that dream. That's why I love dreams so much is, yeah, you can like talk about what it means and stuff, but there's another aspect where you get to see a connection that the person had with the deceased that you wouldn't normally yeah. know, right? Because you didn't mention anything about darts until, but I'm like so curious. I'm like, oh, really? Wouldn't she let you in? That's so cool. It's so nice of her. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely those like uh, like the, the the you know the unconscious thing because that's our relationship, right? Like I had a little bit more trouble earlier talking about our relationship, and mm-hmm. then you know the dreams kind of really uh, exemplified like our relationship. Well, and this and one thing that uh, I know right in the beginning that I had a hard time with when when the Compassionate Friends group was just starting out was that so many siblings put their put their the sibling that passed up on a pedestal. I know parents do that as well. Like, oh my brother, he was the best person in the universe. He could do no wrong. I'm like, all right, if we're gonna talk, we gotta really talk about is that really what your relationship was like? You know, like yeah. I mean, yeah, he may have been a great person, but even even great people have disagreements. They throw chairs at each other, or they they get a phone thrown at them for misbehaving and stuff like that. So uh, that's a personal story too. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I'm, and it's just the reality of it all. And it's like talking about it all, right? Like to not sugarcoat anything. But this this was my relationship, and I remember ha- yeah. hearing dreams from people. I, and some were, you know, sibling loss. Other times it's not. But it's about dreaming about those things that annoyed you about the sibling that, you know, at first glance, it could mean it could seem like a very negative dream for the individual. But when you talk about it further, you realize that's part of what they miss, right? They miss that person being annoying because <laughs> yeah. that was part of the relationship, right? <laughs> and so Absolutely. you can see it actually come into dreams if you just like sort of ask more questions on the dream. Well, and right, like, and th- those those annoyances make that person who they, that person unique, yeah. right? So, so I hate the smell of cigarettes, but whenever I smell it, I think I, I just have this image, and I'm imagining it right now of my sister standing on the the tub of my parents' tub where there was a little window and her smoking out the window, like so that they didn't smell the smoke in the house and then flushing the, the butt down the toilet, which it didn't all <laughs> go all the way down. And then I had to like, I had to like fish it out so that they didn't <laughs> see it. So I could protect her. Cause I knew she was smoking in the house, you know? So you she know, has so, her own yeah. smell. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> what, 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 what brand, what brand is that smell? It would it would be Marlboros. <laughs> I had it in my head. I was like, ah. Yeah. You know that explains that, that actually because I was thinking I'm like, man, if a person gets into darts in the '90s, then they got to go to a pool hall, pretty much a bar. And back then, you know, even in Canada, obviously, but those places were full of cigarette smoke. So I'm just like, just like. So that's so interesting like i'm 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 censoring i'm like <laughs> getting heightened by just talking about all this because I, I i love pool joshua loves pool and i remember going to pool halls coming back sneaking back into the house and my mom would smell me and be like what have you been up to and i'm like i nothing i'm just playing pool i totally remember that yeah oh right and i remember when they when they uh uh stopped uh, cigarette smoking in bars. I I was actually against it. I'm like, well, why are you going into a bar? You you know, to smoke and drink. That's why you go to a bar. So, That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I appreciate it, but back then. <laughs> and so, uh, one of our final questions we like to ask on the podcast is, if you have a dream tonight of your sister, what would that dream look like? I would have to say it, it would be a game of darts for sure. Mm. 
I would, I would love to play. I, even if, even if, uh, even if she lets me win, I would, uh, I would definitely love to, to get another game in there. Oh, I like that. So you don't want it to be equal. You want it to win. <laughs> You're in it to win it, eh? <laughs> Not that I've practiced in the last 20 years, but, <laughs> and she still could probably kick my ass. <laughs> What was that saying? If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was at uh, Talladega Nights. That's right. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm picturing an environment of like a bar, um, in New Jersey somewhere where you guys yeah. meet up in your dream. Yeah, have a drink together. Her her drink, and for every um for every birthday, and my mom's not a drinker, but for every birthday we order a Manhattan mudslide. What is um, <laughs> this person? Like, she's like a 24 year old going on 50. Like I know, she, I know she's. It's like chocolate milk with alcohol in it. You know that that was her. That was her, one of her drinks. So uh, yeah, so we would we would order a, a Manhattan mudslide and we would drink. We would toast her uh, every every uh, January 24th. That's uh, that's like that's our fat. Yeah, that's a great dream to have. I think if you had that, uh, like, I can picture that now. You guys in a nice bar, you know, shooting, uh, throwing darts. You know, she's got a Mar Marlboro I, in her hand while, she, <laughs> while you guys are toasting uh, with your Manhattan mudslides. I, I think it would more be like a dive bar than a, a nice bar. Uh, she, was oh, kind yeah. of a, she was kind of a dive bar kind of gal. I like her already. <laughs> that's funny that's funny if it was a good bar but i got this this is a dream this makes sense it's gonna, it's gonna be like a real dive bar for you to continue the story yeah. not wake up <laughs> yeah because if it was a nice bar i'd be like no this this isn't right something feels wrong here <laughs> <Your home> place. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't real <laughs> oh, it's funny. No, these floors are these floors are too clean <laughs> that, exactly you're not sticking to them so yeah, yeah that's but uh, yeah, that that would be my dream. Dive bar, Manhattan mudslide. I'd probably, I, and I haven't smoked, and I'd probably smoke a Marlboro with her, with, and and play a game of darts. I like it. No, that's uh, that's great. I'm uh, I'm glad you want to have another uh, dart dream. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's been it's yeah. been a great conversation. I gotta say, I really enjoyed the uh, the power of scents and smells yeah. in our waking day that. You know, I don't really, I haven't really focused on, and so it really made me rethink of just life in general. And when you think about it, our sense of smell is also the most primitive sense that we have. You know, like that's what animals use to detect things. So it, it would, it makes sense that we really should spend a little bit more time and and start to explore that, and not just what it smells like, but how how that the, those things make you feel. Yeah, don't just be a passenger on your scent journey; be a driver. Exactly. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good catch. You know, we're giving you all these taglines over here. <laughs> <laughs> Free yeah, absolutely. That's funny. So that's great. So I thank you for that, and uh, and just like sharing your dream and and being a influencer with sibling loss and helping them find a way, because I said like yeah. your journey led you a certain way, and you have tools that may help them as they go forward. But we need people to volunteer their time to help others and I'm, I'm really glad you're doing that and you're taking your time to volunteer here and you know to share your story and hopefully people can learn something from that and so for people where can they find you if they want to know more sure so uh i'm big on facebook so that's probably the best way is find me by my name on facebook uh that's i 
provide, I have a lot of info up there uh, that we, I do a lot of videos and free content there. So that's probably the best way. Or they can email me at jason at shineyogacenter.com. I think, is it, are they going to be in the, is there going to be a little spot in the notes for? Yep. Cool. So they can go to shine yoga, jason at shineyogacenter.com. They can email me there or find me on Facebook. Those are the two best places. Excellent. Uh, yeah, again, I uh, just want to reiterate what Joshua is saying. Thank you so much. You've given us a lot of things to think about. And um, thank you for sharing your story. It takes courage to do that. And we really appreciate that. Um, and, and again, I hope uh, to all our listeners, just check out uh, Jason's stuff. And maybe you can uh, figure out what scent works for you. So everyone, <laughs> please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. Um, if you wanted to contribute to the podcast, you can definitely do so. And there's a link on our website, and that's griefdreams.ca. If you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams group. You can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Grief Dreams. And as always, we like to end our podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. Introduce myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.